Welcome to another episode of the Promo News Podcast, talking music videos with me, Rob Yulitsky, and David Knight. And in this episode, we're talking with one of the UK's most versatile music video directors, Fred Robeson. Based at London production company Blink, Fred has directed several videos for years and years, one of the UK's leading pop acts, but also for the likes of Bree Runway and Joe Goddard of Hot Chip. Fred returned to music videos in 2021 with three high-profile videos, reuniting with Ollie Alexander as years and years for Starstruck, then working with Pop Queen's Little Mix for No, and most recently with one of the UK's most exciting new indie bands, Wet Leg for Too Late Now. At the end of the year, Fred also celebrated his 10th anniversary as a music video director, so we started by asking him to recall how he got his first break in the business. I think my first ever music video I shot was November 2011. Um, and, and can you remember what that first video uh, was? Yeah, of course. It was it was for a band <laughs> called Police Dog Hogan, who is the lead singer is James Studhon, who um, is the MD of Blink, um, who I didn't know at the time. I, I sort of knew someone else in that band. Um, and they're sort right. of, uh, I guess they're sort of like folk rock. I, I, I love them. I still love them. I've been making videos for them for years. What was the kind of process of, did you have to pitch for it or was it just like with making a video? Well, they, they just needed someone to do a video. I don't really mm. know why I was the one because I had made a couple of short films a, a few years before um, and sort of had aspirations to get into filmmaking. But I was working in Soho at a company called Rushes that... I don't know, you might remember, David, they used to do Rush's Short Film oh, Festival. Course. Yeah, they were kind of an iconic old school post company. So when I left university, I was like, well, I want to go and work in film. I don't know anyone who works in film. I will just take a DVD of a short film that I've made and my CV and just like go to Soho and just turn up at every reception of every company that looks like they have something to do with film and just give them, you know, give them my CV and see what happens. And Rush's came back and said, come and do an internship which turned into me being a producer on this short film festival, which was basically a festival for ad directors making short films. But sort of it, right. it, it grew bigger than that. But it was, it was in, the, in the day, it was quite big. So, uh, yeah, and I, big deal, Soho Shorts. Oh, man, I mean, I really miss it. And it was a lovely bunch of people. And through that, I knew the sort of scene and I knew who all the production companies were. Anyway, through that world, I guess, I was sort of dabbling and making some films and got asked to do this video, but really didn't know the first thing about how it worked. So I, I remember coming to Blink, which is where I am right now, and to, to meet James for the first time, you know, really intimidating. He's very tall. Anyway, yeah, I mean, James sort of said, what do you want to do? And I had this idea about like a cowboy riding through suburban London because they were from suburban London, but they had the sort of like bluegrass sort of influence. And he said, great, how much do you think it's going to cost? And I kind of went, oh, I don't want to sort of, don't want to price myself out of a job. So I said, I don't know, about 500 quid. And he said, we'll give you three grand. And at the time, that was like <laughs> more money than I could possibly imagine. You know, it's like, how are we going to spend it all? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so that was the start. Mm. And um, I mean, you didn't sign for Blink straight after that. Obviously, you sort of went through um, an apprenticeship and you made some interesting videos. And so what did you learn in that early period of your directing career? I mean, it's just about the music, isn't it? It's about what songs you respond to, really. That's it at the end of the day. It's like, do you love this song? And and do you think you can kind of make something emotional or funny or, you know, something that produces a reaction when you're listening to it? And either you can or you can't. I mean... For me, like the biggest things that I learned in that period, obviously huge lessons from those videos that I made and came out, but there were also 
in that era, like tons of videos behind the scenes that I either didn't go well or got canned or got into production and then felt, you know, this is the reality of, of it's always been the reality, I guess, of making music videos. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What was your kind of success rate? I mean, I think I was doing sort of three or four videos a year and then probably losing five videos a year and then probably winning two videos a year that either there were, there were definitely videos like the first major label video that I ever won was like 10 grand. So that was another like sum of money that I couldn't. Possibly, you know, <laughs> That's huge. Absolutely. Fred. I know. Well, yeah, it was. And, uh, <laughs> and, and basically I was like, well, this is it. I've really got it made. Literally called like the day before the shoot and said um yeah i'm really sorry she's just disappeared and we we're like what do you mean she's disappeared she's vanished and we we're like what do you mean she's vanished and um oh my god it turns out that like she had told them all like i'd met her i'd been into the label and met her like she did exist but um it turns out that she told everyone that she had a manager but the manager was actually her on a different email address Oh, and it was wow. like a complete like con <laughs> and and yeah she just went AWOL so I was like so what do you mean she's disappeared can we like still shoot the video and it's like no 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 the videos there's no video now there's no one there <laughs> and so to my mind that was like oh wow like career over basically before it even began um but that really set the pattern that I think basically any director will tell you working music videos is that it's not about just winning and losing it's also about winning and then the wheels coming off at the 11th hour <laughs> or the 12th yeah. hour after you've edited it and everyone suddenly goes yeah this isn't working <laughs> yes um it's so true but you sort of learn a lot of emotional lessons lessons that like you know on the one hand it's like well you know you sort of shoot every job like it's your last job and it's going to be the best thing you've ever done but you also have to know that you know i always like to say that music videos are a bit like um drawings that you've done in uh, felt tip pens like they're really beautiful when you make them but then you sort of look at them five years later and it's all sort of colors have faded a bit you know they're not the most sort of permanent art form <clears throat> well they can, they can be, be. The, the great I mean... ones can be but you know there's a lot that get made a lot of them are of their time period, aren't they? I think there's someone else on the podcast, I can't remember who it was, but they mentioned that you you kind of make something, it's of the time period, and like some of them do stick out, kind of you look back to some of the 90s ones and you're like, oh yeah, that still resonates now, but a lot of them do kind of fall by the wayside, or they're, they're of that period. Exactly. Do you learn more from your successes or your failures? I think you sort of learn more specific lessons from your failures, you know, as in like don't do a job just for the money and this is music videos you know when you know you're not doing this to make a living you're making doing it to make something amazing and in the past when i've done things because i sort of thought I, I probably should or you know it's never turned out as well like do it because you love the song and you really think the artist can deliver or you know again obviously naming no names but you sort of learn things like it's, it's all about the artist it's all about who's on camera and and you could make the best video in the world but if they're not going to bring it it's just not going to it's not going to pan out in the end. And equally, also, when I started, it was things like I would always go, oh, I'm not interested in shooting videos with the artists and I want to make sort of narrative thing. And then you kind of go, mm. actually, the best, the ones we love, they all have the artist in. And it's like watching Fred Astaire, you know, or somebody just so electric that you kind of can't take your eyes off. And then as a director, you kind of go, don't really have to do much here. Don't have to turn the camera upside down or think <laughs> of 10 transitions. Just going to film them being amazing. Um, but so those, those are the sort of things that maybe you learn from failures. 
I think the things you learn from success are a bit harder to sort of define because the best, the things that I feel like I'm really happy with that I've made are the things where I've just been sort of haven't thought about it that much. And I've been a bit, you know, bit sort of vulnerable in terms of what I've decided to put on screen or thought, sort of thought, this could be a good idea or it could be really stupid. I'm not going to question it. I'm just going to go with it. You don't want to sort of analyse that stuff too much because it sort of breaks down a bit. Well, again, discovering the artists are highly significant in the in the process and it makes it a lot easier let's bring him in you know ollie mm. and years and years and years i mean you've worked with with ollie and years and years which is i guess now the same mm-hmm. thing for a a long quite a long time now i mean since they kind of started almost let's start from the beginning there when did it where did it begin i mean it began in the google offices believe it or not i mean well okay so like <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. It's like, a, it's like I said earlier, like it's about, you know, number one, it's about music, isn't it? Like, honestly, maybe don't watch tons of videos, but I do love reading interviews with directors. And, and I do think that, like, it's funny how the music isn't always a thing that is discussed, but it really began with, I just love music. You know, I love their songs. Mm. And with years and years, yeah, I did a live video for them, basically. Um, and it was a sort of, it was almost a single bid and Google were going to, because they were sort of blowing up, Google said we're going to fund these live videos for this band years and years, but I had already been aware of. Um, and do you want to come in and meet them? And they were really just sort of simple, like we were going to, well, I say simple, you know, it's not simple. You record the live uh, audio on a day and then you um, play it back and shoot sync to that. And obviously... It's very complicated, but it should be simple. Um, I went in and met them to, to, to talk about it and what kind of style it was going to be. Um, and I just remember like walking into the room and meeting Ollie and having a kind of, you know, I'd met lots of artists by that point, you know, um, and meeting him and just kind of getting that immediate kind of electric buzz, like you, you're, you're the guy, like you're my guy. You, I, I, I get it. We understand each other, and I can see that you have that thing that you know, that X factor, um, in air quotes. Mm. Um, and so we did that and yeah. And then they came back for more and it just got to the point on the second album where, um, Ollie and I just sort of went for breakfast and we kind of sit down and sort of plan all these videos together. And yeah. So that was the Palo Santo mm. project, mm-hmm. sort of short film, yeah. quite a long short yeah. film. <laughs> Which was <laughs> from which what three videos, mm. individual videos came out, and it's a real blockbuster in a way, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, it's it's got um, well, it's got obviously got fantastic production values, but I'd forgotten that Judy Dench is like doing the voiceover, <laughs> and Ben Wishaw makes a sort of cameo appearance. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was like, it was, it's one of those kind of like one in a million things where on the first album I was doing videos with Ollie and we were sort of saying, you know, all of us in Ollie's team, we were all kind of saying, oh, it'd be really good if we could get Judy Dench to kind of stick her head in at some point and, you know, this kind of thing. And it'd be, it'd be really good if we had the money to like go to Thailand and shoot some sort of sci-fi thing. And, uh, and you know, you know what it's like, they come back for a second album, the first album's so successful, the label sort of basically gives them a blank check um and well not a blank check but you know the label kind of with 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 a lot of cajoling i think from ollie's management the label goes Mm -hmm. all right what do you want to do um and we just sort of ran with it yeah and it was you know 
looking back on it, I think it's like, for, for me and for him, it's like classic second album uh, attitude of like, let's go huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I think huge is good. I love those films. Yeah. I mean, it's very ambitious. I mean, t- could you summarize the, the story mm. uh, for those who've yeah. not- who are not aware yeah, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so basically it's a story of another planet called Palo Santo, which was the name of the album. Um, and it's a planet inhabited entirely by androids. Um, and essentially these androids are kind of obsessed with humans and human emotion. And they go and capture humans who live in the jungle outside the city and force them to perform in this kind of cabaret show. Um, that's, that's the concept. But So it's a sort of like, we basically went into it saying we're going to do like Blade Runner meets Showgirls meets The Muppets. Um, <laughs> that was like the holy triumvirate. How did that go down at the well, I mean, we didn't. I don't <laughs> know if we mentioned that to them exactly, um, but I think we pulled that part of it off. I don't. Yeah, I think that they were a bit kind of like, "What the fuck is this?" Basically, I don't know. My allowed to swear. <laughs> That's kind of their. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I think was their reaction. Um, but then also, to be fair, like, you know, so at this point, Samira Khan was commissioning them and she really kind of, um, you know, she and I definitely sort of, she had some honest conversations with me about what the label expected from this. And, and sometimes it wasn't necessarily, yeah. uh, you know, for example, at the beginning of the If You're Over Me video, which was If You're Over Me was like their big single from the album. They, that was the one where they kind of went, you know, we had yeah. number one on the last album. We want to shoot for that with this song. And at one point in the edit for that, there was this like, basically this um, this sort of head android who is uh, played by this Thai actor called Bataya Pansringam, who's in that film Only God Forgives with Ryan Gosling. He played like the main antagonist in that film and we got him in this. And there's this sequence where he's introducing Ollie at this cabaret and he's, there's a shot where he's just like standing there and the microphone is being like winched down from above for him to speak into. And I think there was one edit of the video where it was about a 20 second long shot and you could just hear the microphone like slowly coming and it like still wasn't coming and still wasn't coming and still wasn't coming and it finally comes into shot and he's like completely blank face and just starts speaking into it and my editor Sasha Schwartz and I thought it was absolutely hilarious and they were like there is no way on earth that this video is going out with like a 60 60 seconds to a minute 30 lead in before the song starts and most of it is this shot um but apart from things like that, Samira actually, I think she got to the point where she started to be quite protective of, of me and Ollie um, and not tell us about all the people who are like her bosses pulling their hair out, being like, what on earth are these videos? Because <laughs> she just knew that it would have really sort of spun us out if we'd known that they were freaking out. You know, like I said earlier, none of us, we're, we're all here to make really good stuff. And uh, sometimes you've got to be like, well, the artist loves it and I love it and if you don't love it then I don't really know what to say like I'm not going to change it (laughs) the artist loving it is is clearly um some would say it was the most important thing I I would put Um, that at the top of the pyramid for sure 100% if they're really happy I'm happy and obviously following um that project it's been a couple of years um Mm. before starstruck um Obviously, between then, Ollie's done It's a Sin and kind of really done a lot more acting work. How did you get back in touch with each other 
for it's for kind stuff. of it's kind of a funny one because Ollie and I sort of both went off on little journeys after Palosanto. You know, obviously I went and did some other videos. I worked with Bree Runway a bit and and sort of. I guess sort of trying to take some of the approach of Palo Santo and, and work with her in terms of sort of creating a bit of a world and a few videos that I did with her. But then I also ended up getting um, commissioned to make a feature film with the BFI, which I'm still working on because, you know, this is like, I remember getting into music videos and trying to make a feature film 10 years ago and, and saying to my mum, like, the reason I like doing music videos is because when you ask me what I'm doing, I can say to you, oh, it'll be out in two weeks instead of, it'll be out in 10 years. Um, yeah. That kind of hasn't changed. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, so I sort of got that commission. He went he went off and started working with Russell T Davies doing It's a Sin. Um, mm-hmm. And we came together again, I'll, and I'll tell you how in a second, but, but I think when we came together again on Starstruck, it was a bit like, oh, we've sort of scratched that itch for me to tell a story and for him to give a dramatic performance let's just make a music video yeah. ollie and i had sort of said i don't think we'd sort of ever explicitly discussed it but we had sort of said you know we, we did that it was huge you know it's quite nice to go and work with other people maybe and and for him to not just because yeah. we don't want to sort of repeat ourselves and i think that was the intention that they had going into the newest album and then um for one reason or another on that single it didn't work out and you know obviously i picked up the phone and was like of course, of course I'll do it. And there's no idea. And you want it in yeah. a week and a half. But I love you. Of course I'm going to do it. No, absolutely no questions asked. Yeah. Um, and let's just make a video. And, you know, we went into it with literally, I think we probably even maybe got it signed off and did not have a concept for that video. And it was, you know, this year, wow. lockdown, COVID. Um, and it was, it was amazing. It was just like, well, we know we're going to make a really fun pop video that's not in doubt um and 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 really i mean i've wanted to so uh sherry silver who choreographed it who choreographed um this is america for childish gambino she was somebody that i wanted to work with for years and years and um (laughs) and and it was that classic kind of thing of like she's actually in the country because after that childish gambino project she was just sort of constantly flying around the world but because of lockdown she was here and and yeah, we just we just kind of gave her a ring. This is the other thing. So the thing is, I think with music videos as well, it's like it's not just me. It's it's the artist. And you know, like I said earlier, like they're top of the pyramid. If they're happy, I'm happy. Um, so it's never all my ideas. It's like me sort of filtering their ideas. And I remember we like got Sherry on board and and sent her the song. And we were like, we're doing this video. It's like the week after next. We really want you to choreograph it. We actually don't really know what it's about or where it's going to be set, but can you do it anyway? And she said yes. And, and and we started we sort of jumped on Zoom with her, and she just basically told us what she thought the song was about emotionally, which was about sort of loving yourself because it's about I'm starstruck over you, um, and 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 her interpretation of it was I've spent so much time in isolation in lockdown that I sort of uh, got sick of myself, and then one day I kind of saw myself in the mirror and thought, oh, I'm actually pretty great. I mean, that's roughly it and ollie and i kind of looked at each other and we were like well there's a video that's it done and um you know really simple idea and and just you know yeah yeah really simple idea and of course he's i mean it's a sin was so momentous Mm -hmm. and he's he's a revelation in it Mm -hmm. really i mean was he a revelation to you always i remember like uh shooting in thailand with him palo santo and this is i think this is what you say what people say about like great film actors when you really see them doing it is that like i remember there was this sort of very kind of intense scene between him and in retire 
um, where they were sort of having this kind of face-off. Um, and it was, there was one of the only scenes in the film where there was no music involved. It was like a pure narrative scene. Um, and it's that thing of you watch them doing it just in front of you and you kind of go, mm, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Okay, you're making those choices. And, you know, I can sort of say bigger or smaller or whatever, but, but that feels, this feels like where you're taking it. And I don't want to go in and kind of micromanage these performances. Um, but then you watch it on camera and it's like the sort of flower blooms and you see all of these tiny little things on his face, you know, like ticks and twitches and sort of like glances. And it's like, you're telling this whole story in your eyes, you know, that's film acting, right? And, and he's always mm. been able to do that. Like from the day I met him, it's like instinctual. So, so kind of he wasn't, it was a revelation to me when I met him like seven years ago, but whether it's a sin, I was just like, yeah, of course we can do that. You're listening to the Premier News Podcast, talking music videos in association with Loop Talent. Make sure to subscribe on your favourite platform to hear more in the series. As you're saying, he showed signs of it in Palo mm. Santo, where he's kind of, it's a bit surprising. It actually in, um, in style, I mean, does he, was it, it's kind of like the antithesis of uh, It's a Sin mm. in a way, to the extent that he's he's playing this, you know, multi-layered character in it's a sin, but in this, it's as you say, it's kind of like full-on mainstream mm. pop. There's not, there's not a lot of light and shade in the performance. It's like I'm just here, and I'm, I'm, it's big. I'm happy, you know. I'm in your face. I might be a bit annoying, actually, but totally. You know, no, that's to, to my to my other alter ego, yeah. another side of his confidence, but it's a different. It's a different role. Totally. I mean, that was it because, yeah, we had all of those discussions because we sort of went, A, you've done the sort of like horrible, like at the end of It's a Sin, like I finished watching it and I had to like call him and be like, you you okay? Like you're still alive? You know, like seriously, (laughs) I actually wanted to speak to him. Um, But but also, you know, it was, this wasn't my idea, but um, I think it was uh, his stylist, Nick Royal, who was like, well, look, you know, Ollie, um, is the last time we saw him in It's a Sin, he's in his pyjamas. So let's do a video with him in his pyjamas, you know? And we were almost like, maybe it's like he's died and gone to heaven and this like weird ethereal hotel is like heaven. I always have all of these, with all the artists I work with, I always have these sort of weird like discussions about this kind of universe and ideas beyond the video that you never really see, but there's all these kind of big things playing around. So that was sort of the thing for this video is like, is it some sort of afterlife? But yeah, I mean, that's what we thought. We were like, you know what? It's been a horrible 18 months. Let's make something really unapologetically fun. And we were watching like Singing in the Rain and again, Fred Astaire and like old Justin Timberlake videos and sort of going, let's just do Mm. that. Why don't we do that? We love those things, you know? Yeah. Shall we move on to the other loungewear video? Yeah, please. Is it your first little mix video that you've you've written it is actually yeah i think it is all my christmases come at once thing because i mean i just think they're i think they're incredible like what other bands you know they're bigger than the spice girls and what other bands managed to go from okay they won the x factor and that's great but you know you could you sort of come out of that with a bit of uh aura of you're an x factor band right of course you do um and over a decade they have like sort of transform themselves through sort of sheer talent into these women who are like so relevant to the current cultural conversation you know who else who else has done that you know the Beatles literally in British music they've been around for 10 years and they are still like 
the front page news mm. and they are saying things that people are talking about. So first of all, that's amazing. And I love the song, of course. And it was one of those ones where you just sort of write on it and think, oh, I'm never going to hear back. Because um, like I said earlier, I'm sort of working on this feature and, 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 in, and in that world, you sort of do a draft of something and you send it off and you go, well, I'm never going to hear from them for, well, I'm not going to hear from them for five weeks or six weeks because that's how long it takes anyone to comment on anything. Um, and then mm -hmm. Little Mix kind of comes into my inbox and I kind of go, yeah, sure, I'll sort of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a go. And I've noticed that when you write something for an artist, a treatment, it's happened with Joe Goddard as well. The ones that you kind of go, I'm just going to write whatever I think and it may be really stupid and they'll probably hate it, but here it is. Those are the ones you win. You know, yeah. and that was the case yeah. of Little Mix. It was incredible. They're really like, I mean, so the, the two like big sort of Little Mix behind the scenes facts that I will give you, which I'm sure anyone else who's worked with them can tell you as well, is that they're really genuinely good friends. Like you can tell that as soon as you're in the room with them, like they genuinely love each other and support each other and big each other up. And, you know, when one of them goes, oh, I don't feel great in this outfit or look great here. The other two are like, you look incredible that like you're doing so well. It's like, great. So A, you're doing my job for me, and B, that's just love, lovely to see. <laughs> and the other thing is that they are just, they're like a machine. They're so professional. So first of all, you know, you do a take. They come over to the monitor, rewatch the entire take. Not every setup, but every take, they sort of break and come over and look at it and critique it themselves and then sort of say, kind of say to each other, but say to me, okay, that was good, but, you know, actually I think on the next take I want the camera to be on my left side and then, you know, Leanne's going to do an ad lib at this point, so you should be over there to get that. And, you know, which might sound infuriating, but it's not at all, because you. I have worked with many artists who sort of, they're not checked out, but they're not really, they don't know that they should be paying attention to this. Like, this is the most important thing. It's like, what does that mm. look like when you play it back? Um, and Little Mix weren't like that at all. Uh, so it made that process really easy. And then when we did the edit, there were, two notes you know and everybody you know i sort of thought oh wow little mix we're gonna you know what's the reputation this will be an edit that goes on and on and it didn't at all they watched it and because they had sort of been so present on set and so aware of what they wanted they just went yeah we've kind of already approved all of this so we like it done all right well let's just wind right. wind way back yeah, yeah, yeah to the course. beginning again first of all what was your idea mm. And what do you think that appealed to them about so it? So the idea was, it was another one. It was interesting. It was not unlike the way Starstruck happened in that I had this idea. Basically, the way I think you make a good movie, music video, anything really, is you're going to have an initial, an initial idea. And if you think that you can just sort of sign that idea off and set it in stone and that's what we're going to make, I think you are sort of barking up the wrong tree because you have to be open to the fact that you might get signed off or approved or whatever, but if you don't let that idea keep evolving and changing and finessing it and taking this out and putting something else in and testing it, um, you know, you might be scared to go back to your commissioner or artist and go, oh, well, you know that scene you loved where you, you know, do whatever. I think that's not going to work. This is what it was like with Little Mix. So the idea was initially that they liked was just the first image I thought of, which was that, you know, they're, they're pregnant, they're pushing this pram and you're expecting to see the babies and then you cut and it's their boyfriends in the pram. And I don't know why that was what worked, but writing it, I was just like, well, that's really stupid. That that would make me want to watch the rest of the video. <laughs> it was as simple as that. Um, 
and it and it all sort of span off that it was them sort of controlling their boyfriends um you know the boyfriends are being lazy and then i was like okay so what do they do they change the settings on the boyfriends as a remote control okay fine that kind of maybe works and and that was sort of enough to get us in the door basically and i kind of later learned that was the thing that their management really sort of went this is the treatment we want to send them because of that scene with the pram um but then as it was all sort of developing i sat down with my agent laura and we kind of went okay we need to sort of like focus this a bit and that's when we sort of drilled into this idea of like well how can they change the settings on these on these uh uh boyfriends what if the boyfriends are robots okay that's what's going to happen next are the robots going to malfunction you know so it's 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 that classic music music video thing of you take a really simple idea you give yourself a sort of set of parameters in which to play and then you sort of follow that idea through to its logical conclusion it's not necessarily a story but it's like a set of events and developments mm. that you you can then string some amazing performance sequences onto. That's kind of all it is. Um, and and I think then it was a bit like we had a Zoom with with them with the, with with Little Mix and their management and and some people from the label, and we were sort of well on our way to to making it. And and they didn't know anything about the fact that these boys were robots. They just kind of knew that they were badly behaved boyfriends and so i kind of had to be like oh yeah by the way i think um i think your boyfriends or husbands or whatever are going to be robots in this video and just like a sort of bit of a silence and they were like yeah fine, okay whatever you say <laughs> <laughs> so what about the um i'm getting a bit nerdy here but like the production mm. design this kind of like suburbia did that again sort of just spin out logically from presumably spins out logically from kind the idea. Of. I mean, there was some, they had some references that uh, in that sort of Martin Parr-ish world that I liked, but also this was sort of why I dived into it initially, because that is a sort of visual playground in which I'm quite comfortable. You know, I've made, I have made things like that before, like some music videos, but then I've also made a sort of a couple of short films. I made this short film called Pauline about a woman who um, has a haunted oven who kind of lives in this, you right, know, right, kind right, of right. quite chintzy, um enfield uh flat or house um so so i sort of mm. was was very happy kind of playing in that sandpit basically and and it gave me a nice sort of jumping off point it's like okay we're just going to put little mix in my kind of weird suburban world um and you know it's kind of a thing of like when you suddenly go we've got to produce this video quite quickly you're drawing on a lot of elements that you're already familiar with because the time that it takes to come up with a new idea and sit with it and love it and finesse it you kind of don't have so you kind of go let's let's mm. let's go back to the greatest hits in in my brain um but when you then put little mix in the middle of it it's suddenly completely fresh and you go oh my god they're dressed as sort of like these housewives and it really works yeah, I think it's like thinking about it is like, have they done that before? I mean, they've only made about 400 videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I don't think they have. And, 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 and that was the thing. It was like we found something new for them. And, and it was also, I think, I mean, basically, I think this might be the last Little Mix video until they do the sort of reunion in five years' time, right? Pretty sure Blink did the first ever Little Mix video. I think Sarah Chatfield did that around when I started 10 years ago. So actually, it's like this is a nice little bookend. Right. But I think at this point, they're a bit like they're so confident in themselves. They know they're going to turn up and give incredible performances and look beautiful and just do the things that they do really well. So I think for them, it's like, cool, let's set it on a space station. Let's set it in a weird suburban house. You know, let's shoot it at the zoo. Like, we're going to be great, whatever happens. It's that kind of confidence you get from an artist at that stage that lets me go, 
cool, I'm going to make this a Fred video as well, you know, make it quite weird. I was really yes, proud of that. Yeah. Moving on to the final of the uh, the loungewear <laughs> trilogy, the video for, for Wet Leg. I mean, I saw, I saw the video, I wrote that one up and I was Thank just like, you. wow. It's like bath-loving aliens come down from space looking for a bath. It's like, how odd. So, so how did that idea I um, mean, that was, so it's really funny. So my agent, Laura and I, this, we were like, okay, we've done two videos this year. Let's, we really want to do a third one. And, and I basically was on the phone to her. We had these long chats and I was like, what I want to do is a low budget video where we're running around. Like, basically, I think that's my favorite kind of filmmaking. Like you don't really have any money. There's about five of you making it and it's total skin of your teeth. Mm -hmm. It might not work. Um, but I've always sort of thought I don't want to become one of those directors who looks at a budget and goes, oh, God, how the hell am I going to work with that? You know, I want to just show up and shoot yeah. it on my phone if I have to and just make something that's really fun. And as we were having this discussion on the phone, she said, oh, I've just had an email from John Wall. He's got this video for Wet Leg. It's 15 grand. There you go. Got what you asked for. John Wall is the yes. commissioner. Famous yeah. John Wall. <laughs> and 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 again it was like it was a little it was actually a sort of little mix-esque scenario in which laura sent it to me and i went oh my god i love it i love this song and i love their previous two videos and there was no way they're ever going to be interested in working with me but i have to try um and and, and it was their idea it was their sort of two-line idea was just can we make a video where we're wandering around town in bathrobes and then we find a bubble bath in a field at the end? Like, that was it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't add tons to that. I added the alien element. Um, but I don't know. I sort of think it's the director's job to sort of take something that could be sort of awful or ridiculous or in the wrong hands come off as just crap and sort of, sort of go, well, how am I going to spin this so that you really buy into it, you know? And it's like giving yourself a challenge of like, how am I going to take this idea that could be an absolute disaster and turn it into something I hope good? And I mean, obviously, I, I kind of feel like you enjoyed it, Rob. I hope you liked it. Um, yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was, I mean, funny, it's funny, like meeting Rianne from Wet Leg uh, was a bit like meeting Ollie for the first time. It was like, okay, this is sort of a meeting of minds almost. Like, so, so they kind of came back and mm -hmm. were just like, yeah, we love it. Let's do it but we have to shoot it the week after next and thank you very much. So it was sort of action yeah. stations, but, but then meeting her and sort of going, Oh yeah, you got it. Like whatever it is, you have it. You could just stand there against a blank wall and you'd be interesting. Um, so that was a huge yeah. kind of like breath of relief. Like, okay, this is, this will be okay. I said earlier that I think the things that go well for you in the end are the things where you find yourself very uncomfortable about whether it's going to be awful or whether it's going to mm -hmm. succeed. And I think that this wet leg video may have been the sort of absolute most extreme example of that because I did spend a few days with them, you know, in Croydon and Kent, shooting them kind of walking around in bathrobes through a field and in a car park and thinking, oh, I think I've, I think I've finally, I think I've finally <laughs> crashed the Zeppelin. I think I fucked it. Like, this is just too stupid. Like, no one is going to enjoy this. It's just going to be dumb. Um, uh, and it was also because it was just such a quick sort of turnaround. So 
like I said, you know, when you have those sort of quick turnaround things, you, you draw on 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 the things that you like in your brain, and you go, well, we're going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of this because, you know, so there's like a whole sequence at the beginning where we're shooting them on this sort of long lens, walking around, kind of like harassing members, well, the cast, but supposedly members of the public, um, <laughs> and there's basically this like amazing sequence in this film called Being There, Hal Ashby, Peter Sellers, I think it's like late seventies, where he he plays this uh, mm. sort of um, idiotic gardener who um has been sort of cloistered away in this like washington dc mansion for years and he's never left and then his employer dies and he leaves for the first time and he's like dressed in this almost sort of victorian outfit and he's walking through downtown dc and he's sort of walking through these all these dodgy areas and sort of it's like an alien landing on planet earth and he's like seeing all these things he's seeing a basketball game in a bus for the first time and so this was just like cool i love that i'm just gonna nick that see i'll have that We'll do that with wet leg fine and then we'll shoot it a bit like midnight cowboy whether he's walking through the crowd we'll do that too so it was a real sort of jigsaw puzzle of all these little things that i liked and 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 lots of lessons i'd learned over the years you know shooting a zach abel video for no money around about woolwich and sort of framing mm-hmm. him against buildings and it was like well that works we'll do that again here and also it's kind of in a, in a weird way it's all references their first mm. two videos that have been successful in a way the alien th- i think is a bit of a kind of a red herring because it's them in the city isn't it really as opposed yes. to them being in isle of exactly. white countryside and they're they are yeah. aliens in the that's city. exactly well you're exactly um, right I mean, yeah. it was it, i sort of got a bit spun out because it's a different atmosphere to the first two songs that they released it's a bit of it was a bit of a slower burn and you know I think, you know, when I said that I had a sort of moment of talking to Rianne and going, okay, here's a bit of a sort of spark of we get each other. It's like I always look for stuff in my work that is sort of really funny at first glance, but underneath the surface feels a bit sort of melancholy and a bit kind of uncomfortable, which I think probably Mm -hmm. comes through in some of those years and years videos. But when I heard this song, I was just like, well, that is this song all over. Like, it's really sort of silly in places. And then the more you listen to it, the more you kind of go, this is really sad it's about growing up and feeling a bit disappointed with your life and wondering where things are going and you know it allowed me to sort of tap into something kind of elemental and what I like to do so you know there's what it's like one sequence where um where she's performing and the lyric I think is something about like you know is life supposed to be this shit and uh I I was like, what are we going to do here? You know, we've got, we've booked these, these, these casts to come down, this sort of background cast to come down for the day. And maybe, you know, at the last minute, I was like, why don't we get this woman to just walk through the back of the performance sequence and like blow her nose and look at it at that moment? Because I was like, well, that's what life's like. It's shit. You're walking to work and you're really cold and you <laughs> blow your nose. And then you're like, oh, I don't think I feel very well. You know? And I was like, let's let's put that in there. When else do you get to do that in a music video? And so for me, it just sort of, I hoped that the experience of watching it was like my experience of listening to it, of like listening once and going, oh, this is really fun. And then listening again, being like, this is really quite sort of melancholy. So it doesn't seem to happen that much anymore, Fred, where you've got like someone who works in a pop realm and then they work in the indie band realm or alternative music. But you've done it with those two videos and yet they'd seem, you know, of a, of a piece. So um, I take it as anyway, I mean, yeah, I take it a huge compliment. You know, we sort of started <laughs> off by saying, you know, the stuff I've done can be a bit hard to pin down and I think maybe that's true in terms of music because I just love I love music I love pop music I love indie music I love it all you know 
and uh and and you know look my guys are like david fincher and spike jones like those are the videos i always go back to and that was the sort of heyday where they -hmm. would do like far side but then we're going to do madonna and then we're going to do justin timberlake you know uh or beastie boys but Mm. yeah do you know what i mean it's like it that's those are those are my things that i love and that was what i felt with with wet leg and little mix it's like well i did madonna in the sun in the summer and now i'm gonna do jackass with wet leg basically good stuff all right fred thank you so much for being on the podcast today for having me this has been the promo news podcast talking music videos with david knight and robbie litsky of promo news in association with luke talent our thanks again to fred and to laura north over at blink You can find links to the videos discussed in this episode and to more work by Fred Rosen in the description of this podcast and also at promonews.tv, the home for the latest in music video creativity and production news. And subscribe to the Promonews podcast to hear more of our conversations with leading creators in the music video industry. Bye for now.